and welcome to Logan Sounds Off, where I talk about books, music and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Logan Kelly. Welcome to Logan Sounds Off. Today I'm interviewing Des Hopkins on my podcast. Uh, welcome, Des. Hello, Logan. Nice to be with you today. Thanks, Des. I've known you all my life, but for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a professional musician all my life. I've never um, really worked at anything else, so I was born into a musical family, and uh, my parents. Um, were musical. My mother played piano, my father played violin and drums and various other things. He, he was very musical and uh, he led his own band during the 40s and 50s, way back. And uh, uh, They had two children, myself, Billy, and myself, of course, myself and my brother, Billy, and uh, we were both very musical from early age and both yeah. played music professionally throughout our lives give you an idea of uh, who we are well as you're saying there I know music is a big part of your life um, but who were your influences growing up? Oh my influences were, were jazz, the jazz of the 40s and 20s and 30s and 40s and uh, my biggest influences of course were my mother and father who played and we watched them going out to gigs and playing all sorts of music so um, um, we liked a wide variety of music but um, as, a, as a child or as a young guy about your age or more I um, was an avid radio listener because we didn't have television in those days I grew up in the 50s and but radio was a big thing, and uh, <clears throat> we used to phone into uh, or tune into uh, AFM, the American Forces Network, would broadcast throughout Europe from Germany, and they had uh, a jazz program every night, hosted by a guy called Willis Conover, and uh, they played all the great music at the time, the swing bands and the jazz bands of the 20s and 30s and the early jazz the likes of Louis Armstrong Sidney Bechet and of course Big Spiderbeck and uh, that was when I first learnt about Gene Krupa the great drummer who drummed with Benny Goodman Orchestra and um, I was very influenced by all that kind of music and we tried to form a band a jazz band with some of my friends to play that sort of music when I was quite young, nine or ten years of age, and um, and then um, the great movies came along, like the Glenn Miller story and the Benny Goodman story, and Pete Kelly's Blues and movies like that. So we would go to the cinema and watch these, and if if the if the movie was running for three or four nights or days, we'd go every day and even skip off school to go to the matinees so um, just were soaked and influenced on that music and then we listened of course to the BBC a lot and uh, they broadcast jazz music and big band music and jazz club 
there was jazz program called Jazz Club on a Saturday night, which we'd never miss. And so we got to know all the names of all the great American artists. And then it progressed into sort of the late 50s when um, the music we loved was revived by in Britain and it became um, called, called traditional jazz. And because at the time, um, music was changing somewhat in the United States and uh, there was more progressive guys coming out like Charlie Parker and uh, an alto sax player called Charlie Parker who was more um, intricate, using more intricate sort of chording and a bit different from the basic chords and they were introducing flattened fifths and ninths and everything they were rather than the basic chords that the traditional guys used. And that became known then as progressive jazz because they were progressing all the time. But some of it didn't really swing much, so it didn't appeal to me so much. I stayed all my life with the traditional and early jazz, Dixieland jazz, early swing jazz, Duke Ellington, all kinds of like that. And uh, it became very popular then in the UK where we emigrated to in the late 50s and especially with the, the emergence of Ken Collier and then Chris Barber, the Chris Barber band which became a household name in the UK and had a massive appeal but the music also appealed uh, it also got you down there like it was, it was enthralling sort of music and it was swinging music and driving music and it became, the trad jazz was broadcast so much on the radio in the UK that it became something like the show bands in Ireland. Wow, so then when did you move to England? Well, my, my the family emigrated to England in 1957. I was 15 years of age. Um, so I quickly got into music over there and as I, as I had just said there was a boom in traditional and Dixieland jazz in England at the yeah. time so we started our own band in uh, Manchester and I had a sort of a semi-professional band um, playing working men's clubs those gigs in these sort of clubs every sort of political party had their just as they would now, like GAA clubs in Ireland, some conservative clubs, labour clubs, liberal clubs, they all had entertainment every night, so you could get gigs pretty easy. Didn't pay very well, but it was pretty good. So I did uh, a lot of playing and made friends with different musicians and got into the scene in Manchester. Then I applied for a job in a more professional band in Manchester and got the job that was called Johnny Tippett's Jazz Men. There were maybe forty bands around the north of England at the time, and this was one of the name bands at the time. So um, that got me into playing the circuit in the north of England at the time in the early sixties, sort of sixty, early sixty, fifty nine, sixties, that kind of time. And um, we played nearly every night of the week at that time. So uh, I had a little job for a while, um, 
as an electrical apprentice but I soon was able to give that up because I was making enough living from the gigs. Wow, um, and then a lot of people know the cavern where you played as the home of the Beatles, yeah. but you played there before they even yeah, yeah. had a note done. Well, the cavern was basically started off as a jazz club, the cavern in Liverpool, the cavern yeah. in Liverpool, yeah. It was for the first few years, it was, mm -hmm. was entirely jazz played there. Yeah. So um, it was on the circuit of gigs you would do. So I played maybe nine or ten, maybe more than that, maybe 15 gigs with mainly the Johnny Tibbet band, but with other bands as well, because I used to deputise for drummers with other bands yeah. in the Manchester area. So I'd played probably 15, 16 times at the Cavern. Mm. Yeah, and it was and an, an amazing place at the time. Even we could feel something about it. It was kind of an exciting place um, to be. It was down a dungeon in back streets in Liverpool. So the Beatles uh, were just a support band, really, yeah. to other bands at the time. But eventually, the, the, the more beat music took over from the jazz. Yeah, and then how was it seeing the Beatles? Well, like? at the time we didn't like them at all because they were playing. <laughs> I we, read we, that and it was. They, we thought so they were much. terrible, you know, because uh, they, they weren't very. They didn't sound very musical to us, you know. They yeah. Were, they were just playing guitars and stuff. And there was no trumpets or trombones or clarinets or something, and so we didn't. All all those bands we played along with the. The Mersey, they became known as the Mersey Beats, the Mersey Bands, the Mersey Sound, which was Mersey's being the big river in Liverpool. And the Mersey Sound became more famous after a while, but bands like the Big Tree and the, oh, can't remember them all now, but there was quite a few of them. Jerry and the Pacemakers, um, whatever. Was quite a few of them, mm -hmm. but they just played the interval. We were the yeah. main bands, you know, yeah. That's jazz right. bands. Imagine Until being intervaled by the Beatles. <laughs> so um, yeah, but eventually, because of the Beatles' popularity, they they overtook us, and yeah. the jazz was then moved out of the cavern. It became a what we called a beat club or a rock and roll club. And then you played with some amazing people, and. Um, what was it like playing with Johnny Cash? Well, playing with Johnny Cash was an accident because uh, we were support we were supporting Johnny Cash. See, I came back to England. I came back to Ireland, and um, because um, I wanted to work, stay earning a living, and the 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 trad jazz boom was way, waning a bit in in England. It was short lived enough, but uh, the show band scene in Ireland. I I wanted to always go back to Ireland. I didn't want to live the rest of my life in the UK, so. Um, I got the opportunity to come back and play with show bands so I played with about five different show bands through my life in um, back in Ireland um, but one of the earlier bands I was with was a band called Pete Brown's band I was based in uh, County Mayo and uh, we did a supporting job in Kilkenny um, with Johnny Cash who was on doing a tour of Ireland in fact, there's a famous documentary about that tour. Um, he, he did a few tours of Ireland through his time, but that particular one, anyway, we were on. 
and uh, it was a real foggy night and they were travelling in two cars but one of the cars was late and the band were doing a previous gig um, our gig was on in Kilkenny and the place was packed Johnny Cash was very popular at the time because he's a big hit here uh, with the Ring of Fire and uh, 40 Shades of Green I think was the title but um, Johnny Cash and uh, his partner June Carter were on the tour so um, towards the end of the night Johnny Cash and Carter and somebody else the guitar player arrived but this was about one o'clock in the morning and the crowd was shouting for Johnny Cash to come on so the manager asked if the drummer and the bass player could go on and with Johnny Cash until yeah. till the others of the band had arrived they were delayed it was a yeah. foggy night they were, they were in another car so we went on for a couple of numbers with Johnny Cash the bass player um, and myself and uh, eventually the guys arrived I think we were only at, did one or two tunes with them but so it was no bother it was simple enough music you just played along with them yeah so um, yeah so I played with Johnny Cash <laughs> and then somebody else you played with and when I heard this I went he did not um, many people know your son Graham who I've had on the podcast yeah. for an interview um, and his friend Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers when he heard, he's over here in Ireland they organise drum hangs. Yeah. What was it like playing a drum hang with Chad Smith? <laughs> it was it was great fun. Yeah, great. Graham invited me up. I think there was three different kits in a row. And I was on one <laughs> kit. Chad Smith was on the other. And Graham was on the other one. I was up for a couple of numbers. Yeah, great. That that's class. Yeah. I can just imagine you guys banging away a good old. Yeah, give him a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's a terrific drummer, Chad was. Of course, Graham is as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of uh, two generations playing together. And then we were talking about any favourite, like, we were talking about venues, and um, I was wondering, do you have any favourites? Favourite venues? Yeah. To play? Um, in Ireland or anywhere? Or? Oh, anywhere, anywhere. Well, I did, did play the Royal Albert Hall in London. No way. And uh, that was with uh, our own band called Just Four, which was very popular in the mid in the seventies. Yeah. Throughout the seventies, and uh, we did a concert there with various other artists on. That's pretty memorable. Yeah, and then we, uh, this is my little question now that just came into my head. Would you kind of recognise the cavern as one of your favourites, or were you? Kind yeah, of, it was yeah. because at the time it was it was something special playing there. We yeah. didn't know why. It was just like <laughs> the atmosphere. It was a smelly dump, but anyway, <laughs> but it, it, uh, it, it we we, we liked one. it. It has an atmosphere, yeah. But um, uh, I suppose it played so many, many. Yeah. Like must have played two or three hundred gigs a year all my life so it's hard to pick out a favourite <laughs> venue really you know? I was some on, I hated I could I, probably tell you the yeah. ones that are not my favourite really. yeah I kind of went I kind of went to doing it oh god I put this guy on the spot yeah. <laughs> um, and then I've actually got two copies of your memoir here 
Yeah. What inspired to you to write a memoir? Well, so many stories to tell. I could probably write another one as well, or two more. <laughs> I only How got, I only got a tiny, I only got a tiny bit of it in. Yeah, I probably could. Yeah, when when you know, I've spanned seven decades yeah. of playing gigs. You know, it's a long, long time. I'm nearly eight decades yes. now playing gigs. So <clears throat> I um. You'd have a lot of stories. Yeah. 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 You'd have a lot of a lot of stories. I often think, why didn't I put that one in the book? Why didn't I that one in the book? But about that book, I wanted. um, I didn't want help on it. I didn't want. I didn't want people suggesting stuff to me and getting editors and production and all that. I wanted to do as much as I could. Mm-hmm. just on my own I just had a computer I didn't even like I wrote it what 10 years ago now started it I started yeah. it in 2012 I think and finished it in 2017 but I didn't have as good a um, of a computer then yeah, as I, yeah. I would have now I have a yeah. more up to date one and uh, so it would have been a better help yeah but wow, it's actually a very good book. Um, and that's called Show Bands and All That Jazz, Memoirs of an Irish Drummer by Des Hopkins by Hi-Hat Publishing. That's it. And you'd, you'd very much hope you can get that in all good books, bookshops. <laughs> well, um, they're all sold out now. <laughs> I think you got the last one. No way. <laughs> I didn't get a great number of them, but we, we got a, a good few of them. So we some. sold them all. We sold them all. Brilliant. Um, so thank you Des for coming on to the podcast it's been such a joy talking to you and very funny too um, but thank you thank you Logan it's a pleasure to, to be on your Logan Sounds <laughs> as you call it now and uh, it was a pleasure to do it yeah. maybe we'll do another one another time We'll add to it. Yeah, we'll yeah. Add to it, yeah. We'll make we'll make another copy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Logan. Let's see you guys. Bye. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Logan Sounds Off. You can follow me on X, Facebook and Instagram at Logan Sounds Off. And don't forget to subscribe and not miss any more cool episodes. Bye guys.